Welcome to our Game Theory and Money Podcast for Week 13. We experienced a bit of a mini-buy, much like the teams that played on Thanksgiving Day are experiencing as they head towards Sunday and Week 13. Sure, it's a short week, but hey, you get a little bit of an extra time off. And of course, if you know the podcast, you know why it's different. Uh, because with Cynthia Freeland here and her big brain and all those degrees in predictive analytics and the rest of us who have a bit of an aversion to math, uh, we allow her to help guide us along a numerical journey that helps explain through 10,000 computer simulations why things are going to happen the way they are going to happen. It's good to be back. Cynthia, did you enjoy your mini buy or was anything different for you over the Thanksgiving holiday? I actually worked more. You so. did? <laughs> Well, I guess you got two big days of football as opposed to just one in a single game on Thursday, so that makes sense. But I loved it. It was fun. All right. What was your uh, favorite part of Thanksgiving? Let's just do a little bit of a grab a here before we get going. Well, Marianne Freeland made a cameo on the Pick'em show, so that was pretty awesome. And also, I love Thanksgiving because I'm a big eater, so any holiday that is focused on eating and football is really something that maximizes two of my strengths. It seems like football fans uh, are not unanimous, but overwhelmingly in favor of Thanksgiving Big being the overlap in that Venn diagram. Of all, yes. And we will, uh, we'll get into that and how Thanksgiving played into this week. Uh, but before we get into all the games and all the matchups and our matchup of the week and our uh, this today, actually, you are in for a treat because we aren't doing the Freeland forecast, but we are doing a Freeland five. Cast because we are so close to the postseason. A lot of these are elimination games of sort this late uh, in the year, so figured we would expand that a little bit and delve a little bit deeper into one more extra game that had serious implications based on who wins and who loses. So uh, let's get it started. We like to roll out playoff odds as this is week 13 and a lot of things have changed since the last time we talked prior to the week 12 games. So where do you want to start? Let's start in the AFC because I know you have a special, you know, connection. Got a bit of a vested. Well, yeah, it is a vested interest. Absolutely. Pretty pretty vested interest. Absolutely. (laughs) So right now I have, my model has, the Patriots, then Steelers, then Jags, then Titans, Chiefs, and Chargers all projected to make the playoffs right now. Notice the Chargers are currently ranked, I believe it's number nine. Our awesome producer, John, gave me the current seed. It is nine for the Chargers right now. However, in my model, they are number six, making it in with the wild card spot. It's um, th- it's interesting because I actually finally went through and did some tiebreaker uh, research last night and wanted to figure out exactly where as we get ready for this uh, for those that don't know I am the play-by-play person for the Chargers so as got ready for that broadcast against the Browns a lot of people excited asking questions about the playoffs the tiebreaker situation does not favor them all that well against the Ravens they need the Ravens to lose if they end up tied with the Ravens in record I don't think they get in I think Baltimore ends up getting in just because of Baltimore's record against the conference the Chargers have not done well against the AFC. So when you go out of conference tiebreaker wild card, it is not record in your division, it's record in your conference. And Baltimore is a pretty handy advantage ahead of them. So I'm guessing you're looking at the Chargers maybe as a division winner here. I am. Part of that is that the Chiefs are kind of going they're, they're, down. They're going down quick. Right. Yeah. And the Chargers are going up. So if you'll notice, it goes Chiefs, 71.3% chance to make the playoffs. Chargers, 59. And then Ravens, 58.7. So there isn't, you're totally right, there isn't much of a difference between yeah, yeah, the Chargers. Yeah, of percent. Yeah, you're right. Right. So like you're totally nailing it there. For me, it, this could actually be a case where the Chiefs the Chiefs losing really elevates the Chargers' chances and also helps the Ravens. So if you're a Ravens fan, you'd like the Chiefs to lose to the Jets this week. One of the uh, the interesting things uh, about this, and, and I'm just going back to our first podcast, right, when we talked about what we thought 
who we anticipated being the elite teams, uh, who wasn't. I think we had a consensus. I don't want to speak for you. Tell me if I'm wrong. But I feel like we were in agreement that the AFC West looked like the best division. Absolutely. Like it's going to be, and it's turned out to be one of the worst. <laughs> and that you are now in a position where the Raiders, or I guess it speaks to maybe how good these teams are, that the Raiders, the Chiefs, and the Chargers all have the same path. Win out and you will win the division. Yep. And all three of those teams in week 13 have that exact same path in front of them. And if you look at the schedule, the Chiefs and the Chargers have a much easier path. Much easier. That is than why the Raiders. Raiders fans get very upset with me. And they are ranked, you know, in my model right here, number nine in terms of who's going to make the playoffs for the AFC. But they get very mad at me. And I'm telling you, their path is more difficult. They have to go to Philly. They have to go to Philly. That's one of the key differentiators there. But I want to point out one interesting interesting thing about the Chiefs. It's in their first five games, so the first kind of half of their when they when they were dominating, they were scoring points on 54% of their drives. So it's a field goal or a touchdown. And in this case, it was mostly touchdowns because that number was something like 4.7, which means that's more than a field goal average on on their on 54% of their drives. That number is down to 33% of their drives are scoring drives now. And the number's down something like uh, 2.9, which means it's like, you know, like a, it's a field goal, so it's, it'd be a little bit more than three if you only look at the scoring drives, but it's mostly field goals now as opposed to scoring touchdowns, whereas before it was mostly touchdowns, and and that's a huge difference maker in this in this case. Yeah, and really, you know, like we said, it's you're talking about one game, and look, who knows what happens. I mean, the Chiefs lost to New York, right? I mean, they, they said they lost to Buffalo at home. I mean, things that your projections and anybody's observations would right. say weren't likely to happen, so anything can happen, but when you look at the Raiders, it's really just one game that we're talking about. It's that trip to Philly that is still on their schedule. The most daunting task the Chargers have is a trip to Kansas City, but we see what's happened to the Chiefs as of late. They can't, you know, stop that bleeding. So that's why you feel a little bit better about the Chargers. And in terms of the Chiefs, back end of their schedule, we've said it all season long. I mean, it is the most friendly of any of those teams. Now, they have to deal with the Jets this week, and that'll be an interesting one to get into, but the only other road trip they have away from Arrowhead is to Denver, a team that is a complete mess right now. So that's, I guess I'm trying to help you out with the Raider fans that come at you because, yeah, oh, no, they can I come love, at you. I love Raider they fans. They can come and at I'm, you. I love Raider fans. I know fans. it well. Absolutely, it's, but it's it's more about what's left as opposed to how, like, you know, it's not, it has nothing to do with how I like a team or not. It's, it's completely everything to do with their schedule. And the funny part is, as good as we thought the AFC West was going to be preseason, we kind of underestimated how competitive and how important the NFC South would be on the other side of this. The NFC South is really the Jenga piece, to borrow from Dave Damashek, is really the Jenga piece for the entire NFC playoff Before picture. you get there, I do want yeah. to address just one other thing in the AFC. Yeah. Um, the AFC South. Because I believe you. we've talked about this off the pod, and I think it's yep. worth sharing on the pod, yep. that your model does not have a lot of belief in the AFC South between the Titans and Jaguars. You do feel like both of their records, and again, just kind of jump in. I don't want to put words in, in your oh, mouth no. or to your model, but I, I get the feeling that you don't feel like those teams are as strong as the other teams that maybe are below, and specifically the Chiefs and the Chargers, or the gap between the Titans, Jaguars, and the Steelers and Patriots. So is it just a schedule thing? And the way that the back end of their schedule plays out, why there are such high numbers for them both, not just the Jags or the Titans, one team from that division, but two to get in. It's exactly that. It's who they're playing. It's also when you look to see, like if you look at the division chances for each, it's 
one of the closer ones that we have here. It's like 60-40 Jags, Titans to win the division. A lot of Titans fans were mad at me that in my playoff model, the Jags are still ahead of them, even though right now the Titans are technically ahead of the Jags in their division, meaning they, they have a better because they beat them, meaning they have and they a get better one at home chance. down the season. Right. So in this case, it's it's both teams, their favorable schedule that's left, and also the fact that in the Jags case, the teams that they have remaining, their defense, the magnitude of how good their defense is outweighs the magnitude of the offenses left. And in the Titans case, the magnitude of their steady offense and their run game specifically, and you know, it's a blended, it's not just Mariota, it's not just you know Demarc Murray, but their uh, their efficiency in that phase of the game outmatches some of the defenses that they're facing. So then, uh, just real quick, one last thing before we shift to the NFC: um, What about the injury to Fournette and what's happened to him really since that Charger game? He had scored a touchdown in every game he had played in. The Chargers show up, they run blitz the heck out of him, ends up with a high ankle sprain. Now he had a ton of yards uh, against the Browns, but. He did not look like himself, really. And then we well, saw that. Well, Blake Gordles was the leading rusher and had exactly. two rushing touchdowns, which Against was Arizona. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it was so fun to watch. How but. does that work in your model when you have someone that was such an important part of that offense and was just a perfect match to the defense because he didn't allow Blake right. Gordles to get you in trouble? Um, how does that play out? Like, what do you do with your simulations for the remainder of the season when you're projecting playoffs and you don't really know what Fournette's going to be with that high ankle sprain the rest of the year? Well, it looks like he's going to play. That doesn't mean he's going to be 100%. So I kind of factor in a 50% Leonard Fournette in this case. So not quite as efficient in that scrimmage yard leader and that stability stabilizing force like he used to be, but let's say 50%. The other thing that's interesting about the Jags is they have some bad play calling dynamics in my in my model too. They make, they make risky moves late in the game. You saw it last week when they called pass on second down, which ended up being the reason that they didn't go into overtime. Now, an improbably long season-defining kick from Phil Dawson on the Arizona Cardinals, like, or not just season, actually career-long 57-yard field goal to win the game, that's also improbable. But calling, if you look at that last drive that they had, had they run the ball on second down as opposed to try to pass the ball on second down, it only used up four seconds of clock, that would have been, it would have driven them to overtime. So they have, and that's not the first time they have some weird, improbable calls towards end of game that make difference. I think anytime you ask Blake Bortles to do something, it's a weird, improbable call in a late game situation. <laughs> and that's just, maybe, obviously I have, it would be recency bias. It's just a bias because of the game I watched. I mean, the fact they should not have beat the Chargers because they no, put the that's ball. that's right. That's know, what I'm saying. Like yeah. that play call, like you. you Two left. interceptions in the final four minutes when a team has a lead on you typically right. means you're going to lose the game. Now the right. Chargers were in a tete-a-tete -tete over who can make worse play calls in the final four minutes of a game and it ended up biting them. But it seems like anytime they ask Blake to do too much, and I don't know if that's play calling or if that's just Blake Bortles, right? I mean, it's, what are you going to do? It's like the guy's the quarterback, and it seems like anytime you ask him to do something special in a tight spot where the game is in the balance, it ends badly. But even when you're not asking him to do something special, like running, Yeah, just manage it. Don't right? mess this like, up. And that's, and that's where things get really dicey is because you're, you're not – it's not like you're asking him to convert a third and 15. You're asking him to literally hand the ball off so that – not four seconds, but there were 17 seconds left. Maybe 12 seconds elapses between plays. And, and that's where you're, you're kind of calling things that don't put him in the best situation. So between the Fournette and between the interesting late game play call, you're going to have, you, that's going to be really interesting to see going forward if they can keep winning games despite kind of 
some some risky calls late. All right. We are your AFC South podcast of record with that conversation right there. Now, <laughs> now. so again, just to recap, Pat Steelers, obviously, 99.9%. They are, are well ahead. Yep. Jags at 91, Titans at 72, with the Chiefs at 72. Chargers 59, just three-tenths of a point percentage point ahead of the Ravens for that sixth and final spot. Now we go to the NFC. NFC. Everything comes down to the NFC South. So every other division. So we taped this on Thursday morning. Right now, every other division has seven or eight division game played. After Thursday Night Football tonight, the North, East, and West will all have eight division games played, while the South will only have five left. So the Saints still have to face the Falcons twice. And at, like there's there's just so many teams. Like, they haven't been able to beat each other up yet is basically why. And they're going to. And they're going to. And that's why in the in the standings right now, it's like, you know, you have three teams technically in with the Falcons in that sixth place spot. So it's the Saints winning the division, the Panthers in the fifth place spot, and the Falcons in the sixth place spot, currently according to the current standings as if, if the playoffs were to start today. However, you have to look forward, and that's why. Yeah, Saints, my- Falcons twice. Yep. Saints, Panthers this week. We'll get to that in a minute. Right. So it goes in my model right now, Eagles. And I got these Eagles fans are crazy because I told them that they have 100% chance of making the playoffs. And people are like, it's not clinched yet. How can it be 100%? It's 100%. Because the, they're going to win their division because you have to project forward. It, the yeah, chances ba- of them Based doing on it, their schedule, they will win another game. And when the, they do, right. and the Redskins and the Cowboys play this week, they will clinch the division. Right. So That's it's, it. it's like done. it's technically like 99 point. No, 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 no. Like, very lot, long train of nines after that. So it's 100. Shame on you for being a math person and rounding up. All right? It's not even rounding Only up. Only us lay people are supposed to round. <laughs> You're supposed to stick to the numbers. So the Eagles, yeah, you mentioned the Vikings right. well ahead of the rest of the NFC North. Um, and you mentioned the South is going to get sorted out here in the next two to three weeks because they're all going to do battle with one another. So go ahead. I jumped in. Let's yeah. uh, let's finish it out. So NFC West is an interesting situation because the Rams, they have a 90.5, so 91. I'm rounding again. Me and this math people. 91% chance of making the playoffs in my model here. When also the Seahawks, although the Seahawks have gone down right now, they have, they're in my sixth place slot with about 47.4% chance of making the playoffs. They're almost dead even with the Falcons who are just out. I think the more important out. number there, though, Cynthia, not to jump in, just yeah. but look at the difference in your model between the Rams winning the division yep. and the Seahawks because that's yep. a much larger gap yep. than just making the playoffs. So when you hear, I think maybe, oh, okay, there's a 33% or 43% difference in, in making the playoffs between the two. Well, it's nearly a 50% difference in winning the division. Right, 74 so, versus 26. Yeah, yeah. so it, it you basically have this projected. I would say that's a gap that's healthy enough it where it looks like the Rams are in that division. And in part because when you see the Seahawks, they just, in my model, their defense. So you have Cliff Averill on IR. You have Richard Sherman on Cam IR. Chancellor. Cam Chancellor on IR. And those three pieces, in conjunction with, a run game that has not yet stabilized. We don't. What, what, how do you even project the run game? I mean, all I can do is project uncertainty. <laughs> People in Seattle right now are going run game. What's, right. What is that? Well, I'm, you, not, well I'm actually, not, fam- not familiar no, with this. No, actually, what they're doing is they're saying of. there's this guy. His name's Russell Wilson. He's our entire run yeah. game, and he's also our entire pass game. So, if it weren't for Russell Wilson's big playmaking ability, I mean, literally, it's it's what's keeping them in this entire scenario is the play of Russell Wilson. I, and and honestly, look. look Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright. There's a lot of pieces on their defense, Michael Bennett, that are also very good. But it's like three pieces on a defense that we're used to having 11 pieces. If they make the playoffs, I think you would be hard-pressed to give the MVP to anybody besides Russell Wilson. I mean, it's, you know, They have to make the postseason. Even I if they don't win the division, just to make the playoffs, 
I think it's the MVP bowl this week between the Eagles and and the Seahawks. And the Seahawks, yeah. It's the MVP bowl. Is it going to be Carson Wentz or is it going to be... The Seahawks win and they can get into the playoffs. Then right. Then Russell's, you're right. And if the Eagles continue on this stretch, it's very hard to envision a team with the best record in the league led by that quarterback not getting that award. All right, so we have uh, the Rams locked into that division. We already talked about the uh, the Saints and the Panthers and how they're going to duke it out this week. We'll get to that matchup in a moment, but I do, I'm going to force you. I know you tried to move on. I saw you flip that page of our rundown <laughs> that, that our uh, executive producer, old JG, gave us. But, uh, JG with the amazing November there, stash still going on. There is only a 0.9 percentage point difference between the number six wildcard team Seahawks and the Detroit Lions. <sighs> and when I look at that Lions schedule, because we are not going to get too deep into this Lions contest this week, or maybe we are, but in case we don't, I would just like you to address that you are talking about 0.9 percentage points between the Lions being in and out. When I look at that schedule, I see a tough one against Baltimore this week, but then they have Tampa, Chicago, Cincinnati, and Green Bay, all games that I would say favor the Lions based on what we know about any of those four teams left. I agree with you that the Ravens are going to be a tough one, and we'll talk about that matchup in a little bit. And I also, my model also agrees with you about the strength of schedule remaining because you're right. Yeah, the you nine chose to just blow right by it. Of course I blew right by it because as a disgruntled Lions fan, See? I just know what's going to happen. An improbable Chicago and Green Bay victory is going to happen, yeah. and that's just going to make me feel terrible about myself. So that's, no, but in, in all reality, the model does point out the strength of schedule remaining for the Lions. By the way, Lions don't have to face, other than the Bucks. they don't have to face, you know, they're done with the NFC South, which is good because those are the, tri the tricky teams yeah. that everyone's going to have to get past still, um, which is, that's a benefit for them. But in this case, the Ravens, if they manage to win this game against the Ravens, that has dual playoff implications. Like, it really helps the Chargers, and it really helps – well, it helps everyone That's in the, the AFC. One. That is a big one. That's the big one. But if, and if the Lions manage to win it – so if the Lions end up winning, it's going to help the Chargers. If the Lions – and it also the, it'll help the Lions themselves. If the Lions end up losing, they still can get in. So it's like – Well, yeah, they can uh, lose it still. Anyway, we'll get to it in a minute because that is going to be one of our uh, Freeland Five casts. In the meantime, we, uh, we need to get to our matchup of the week. Well, it was uh, certainly the centerpiece of our NFC playoff picture, the NFC South, and the fact that the Saints and Falcons are going to play each other twice, the Panthers and Falcons are going to play each other once, and this week we focus on the matchup of the week. That is the Panthers and the Saints in the Big Easy Superdome where the Saints are darn good. A lot of people cite that as the toughest place to play in all of the NFL. Um, who do you have winning, and what is the score? This one surprised me because I have the Saints winning by a bigger margin than I would have expected. I have them winning 27-21. I guess I would have thought it would have been, I don't know, when I closed my eyes, I would have thought it would have been a little closer given how good this Carolina Panthers defense is. But 27-21 is where the model netted out. It's important uh, to mention because I, I see a lot of this in my Twitter timeline yep. and there are questions that are directed at you, which is why I don't respond to them. I let you do it. But People point out, what a, what a stupid score to project, 24 to 23 or 25 to 20. When do scores ever? Your model is just, it's, it's not trying to give you the exact score. It's telling you if it's going to be a tight game 
or a blowout. So when you see something that's a six-point difference, as someone who's now right. done this for 13 weeks from you with you, that's a blowout. Yeah. Like that's a big number in that's favor a, of the Saints. That's a big number in favor of the Saints. Also, when people ask me about, I just want to like let's be clear on this. When you think about when you think about the projections that the model will spit out, it's averages. So when a game script starts to go in a crazy direction, you'll see a bigger score differential, right? So like if if a team is up by you know, 10 points in the third quarter. In the fourth quarter, the team that's down will start throwing the ball more. Throwing the ball more means more turnover. So the point is, is is it going to be a tight game? Is it going to be a not-so-tight game? And is it going to be an offense-heavy game or is it going to be a defense-heavy game? So this one says offense-heavy because there's a lot of points scored overall and a New Orleans victory. How much of that, uh, how much of your model uh, factors the, the uh, New Orleans blowout against the Saints in Carolina? Is that, like, does that single game because they won by like three or four touchdowns. I mean, it was a blowout. Mm-hmm. I think they won by three touchdowns. Um, does that factor into the model like previous meeting from earlier in the year? Well, it's true that in divisional rivalries where we have enough of a sample set where you can go back and forth and see similar uh, configurations of matchups, that does weigh more heavily on a mo- on the model than, you know, uh, uh, than let's say when the Saints play the Lions who they don't face every year. The, the difference of who's playing in this game does kind of outweigh that. So I don't like batter versus pitcher stats unless they're big enough. And in this case, sometimes they're big enough. but Because it's a division opponent. Because it's a division opponent. But it's still, like, the last four weeks are more heavily weighted just in general in terms of tendencies and personnel on the field. As but opposed to a head-to-head from as earlier opposed in the season. To oh, that's interesting. Head, unless the head, like, in the NFC East, there's a lot of, or not NFC, AFC East, there's a lot of teams that play each other, like, one week on, one week off, one week on, like the Bills and the and the and the Patriots and the Dolphins and the Patriots, that would weigh in more heavily because they play each other like two weeks apart. But in this case, because there's such a space in between, it's more about personnel than anything yeah, else. Yeah, because you you think about the the Panther season and that really was the only blowout. I mean, you know, they yep. were obviously humiliated in Chicago. That was a mess, but they their offense got nothing going. And I think Chicago only scored a you know, it's not like it was a high scoring game. Nope. But that was really the the they only could, game where the, they the really Panthers got couldn't blown score. out. Remember, they like they had a game with only crazy. field goals against the Bills. Like yeah. it was a completely different kind of configuration. All right. So what else? What else goes into that score? So both quarterbacks in this one are kind of where you start. So Drew Brees and his league-leading completion percentage. Let's see how that happens. Well, one, he's number two versus the Blitz, and Carolina Blitz is second most often. So you're not going to see much of an erosion in Drew Brees' characteristics, like how he distributes the ball and what he does against the Blitz, because we haven't seen it all season long. Last, The last meeting, Luke Keegley was a key differentiator, but I'm going to tell you Luke Keegley is a key differentiator in every meeting right. that he's playing. And he did have an interception in that last one, and he's great against the run. Like, Luke Keegley is a difference maker in this one. So I went ahead and I looked to see, like, okay, how does this map against Alvin Kamara, who obviously an electric rookie. We have to factor him in kind of every single time he plays now. And Kamara averages five forced missed tackles a game so he's making other people miss at a very high rate that's number three in the nfl over the past four games i'm just trying to stay stay in that four game sample set because things have changed since the beginning of the season he also has and this is the one thing that is really interesting he has 37.7 percent rushing first downs that's number two in the nfl so every time he's getting the ball he's giving them an opportunity to advance 
to move the sticks, to advance the down. So going into first down, first downs are really key here. And that's why part of why you're seeing the Saints have the most four plus yards gained on first down. So success on first down, most average yards gained on first down. And then they also convert second down. So that ability on first and second down, especially with Kamara. And then of course with Mark Ingram too, is a real key difference maker. Even though Luke Higley's amazing, he's top 10 versus you know, opposing rushers. He's really great in coverage too. They just have the one-two punch is is going to be kind of something that is advantage Saints. Right, and that is just such a difference and a departure of what we are used to. And I just still get the feeling that like that Drew Brees game, and I guess we saw it in, in the remarkable comeback against the Redskins, that it's yep. still there and there are still good enough pass catching weapons there for him to pull that out if he needs to. But it's almost, and I don't I hate to keep, you know, kind of taking everything back to the Chargers, but I think it's very reminiscent of what Phillip Rivers has gone through this year, which is coaching staff saying, hey, let's try something different, and him saying, okay, let's try it. And then when it's not working, he's still there to say, okay, I'm, I, I can still do what I was doing, but you asked me not to do, and that's kind of what's led this, this resurgence for the Chargers. And I got the sense that just seeing that little glimpse from Breeze against the Redskins was a reminder, oh, yeah, that's, that's still there if right. they need it. And and I would not be the least bit surprised if they have to go back to it and he comes through with it. Fantasy note here, Michael Thomas fully playable in this one kind of, you know, to bite off of what you just said. Michael Thomas fully playable. Last game, he had a, over 150 passer rating when targeted. That's good. He's good. That's pretty good. And I so my projection just a like little fantasy note here, um over 80 total receiving yards and the touchdown this week if anyone was thinking about playing him in their fantasy to get into their fantasy playoffs. I would uh also point out the And you're playing Kamara and you're playing Ingram and you're yeah. playing Breeze. Like come on. Just yeah. the the one difference I think between this game and and uh the game earlier in the season is just the fact that speaking to what the Saints could do with Breeze and let him throw it around if they decided to part from this one-two punch at running back. The last about four or five games, we've seen Ron Rivera and the Panthers say, all right, Cam, go do it. Go Look, be we, you. We, we need you to be you. And that's been a shift. And, but, and we're seeing him leading the, the team in rushing, I think, four but, of the last five games. Yeah, but I went to did a little digging here, and Cam's rushing hasn't been netting in first downs the past two games. So you're right. They have let him, you be you, Cam. Right. You do what you want to do. It's like rushing out of the zone read. That's what Cam Newton does better than anyone else. But teams have picked up on it. So while that worked three and four games ago in the past two games, only 11% of his rushes have netted in first downs, should be around 40%. Right. So people are picking up on this. And I think the Saints defense, now we got to be careful who's playing. Alex Okafor is out for the Saints defense. So that means a bump up for Cam Newton and potentially because you now only you have Cam Jordan who's going to bring you a lot of pressure. But you're missing Alex Okafor on that other side of the, of the defensive line. But I do think they're going to figure out a way to kind of you know, minimize the impact of Cam's rushing. I think that's something that the Saints can lock down a little bit. I look at, uh, I'll, I'll go, I'm with you on this. I, I like the Saints. Uh, it was just, it was apparent they should not have won that game last week against the Jets. And the Jets have been in a lot of those games where right. they walk out with a loss and you say, man, the, the Jets should have won that game. And just things broke their way, you know, and the defense picked them up and it wasn't a Cam game, but the Panthers still won. You can't get away with that against nope. the Saints. You'll find yourself behind by two touchdowns in a half second. And you saw Cam not throw the deep ball. So the Saints actually have given up the fifth most 20-plus receptions this season overall. And you need Cam. Last game, you didn't really see Cam take a lot of those deep passes. I mean, he did have a good I mean, 12 targets to Devin Funches, but they weren't on those like really home run balls. Whereas the Saints, especially if Marshawn Lattimore, Ken Crawley, aren't playing or banged up if, if you we got to keep that injury report in mind 
Devin Funches is good. He has a touchdown in my model in another little fantasy point there. But the Saints, you have to you have to force that deep ball if you're going to want to get those chunk yards against them. And I don't know if Cam, he hasn't been Cam hasn't been doing that lately. So for me, advantage Saints. From our matchup of the week to our very special post-Thanksgiving holiday <laughs> edition five-cast. We normally like do the pre forecast, but we have five games we feel deserve a little bit more attention. So let's get to them. Uh, we'll start with the Vikings and the Falcons. Winner and score. I have Minnesota coming out on top 25-24. So a high-scoring game, even though the Minnesota defense is excellent. But Minnesota has the advantage for me. Okay, and what is the main factor that goes into that? Well, they kind of have an interesting matchup because if you look at Atlanta, their third down offense this season ranks number three, and Minnesota actually has the number three third down defense, which is a funny matchup. Um, Atlanta, number three in big plays since week 10. Minnesota, number one in big plays allowed this season. So these are the types of things where you're like, okay, that's an advantage Atlanta in the second one, advantage defense in the first one. And then Atlanta, number two in yards per play this season. Minnesota, hilarious. number two in yards per play allowed like this season. There, there are so many categories where it's within two or three and we're talking about top five rankings top 10 at worst in thirds yards per play yep. reds i mean it is it truly is the old uh unstoppable force and movable object uh showdown of the week so then you start to kind of dig into the things that like hidden yards and special team you know i hate that term but whatever so atlanta does have the worst starting field position of any team this season and they played a very slow pace these are things that would favor minnesota especially if you look at go back and watch if you're like if you've got I love when people talk about the all 22s, right? If you go back and watch, like play action has been really good for Minnesota, and it's been something where um, the Falcons have been vulnerable. So in my model, that kind of those kind of things, especially when you look at you know these smaller these smaller kind of minute details, and they're not minute, but you know like those smaller details Small in, enough. In, in terms of that, that's where you're going to see like some some big differences, and that's why I have Stephon Diggs and, and um, Adam Thielen both scoring a touchdown this week, and also have Julio Jones with a touchdown. And you know you saw. The, the vertical yards have been the difference maker for Matt Ryan in this offense. So when you get Julio Jones involved, we've all seen that. Yeah, and, then, and we saw it last week where we thought Xavier Rhodes, I mean, anytime just in terms of fantasy conversation, oh, you don't want to play him against Xavier Rhodes. I mean, Marvin Jones wrecked him. Right. I mean, Marvin Jones was a wrecking machine last week. And as good as Marvin is, it's not Julio Jones. And you almost wonder if they finally figured out a way. And I would love to say that with certainty, but every single year, Julio has one of those games, and he only has one right. is usually what it is. So the fact We've that last had week, it off. He, yep. yes, he had that 250-yard touchdown game, I, I, I'll i be interested to see if he can do it again. So Devontae Freeman was likely back. I'm not 100% sure, but it seems like all signs are pointing toward him clearing the concussion protocol. So if you have Tevin Coleman, make sure you're factoring that in. Although the one thing I want to point out is Coleman's been great. Oh, he's been great. But if I don't know if I mean if they're going to share the reps, I don't know what you do right. in how you because Freeman's been okay this right. year. He has not been the Freeman from last year that helped get this team to the Super Bowl. I think if you look at how Minnesota, what happens on first down, so success on first downs, four plus yards gains on first down. Minnesota ranks 22 in that. That's not where their specialty is. So in my model, it's likely that Freeman will be kind of early down. You know, get me get me a few yards and then put you know Tevin Coleman in maybe third down kind of like more passing down that's potentially what could happen my point is is if you're relying on either one of them to get you to your fantasy 
uh, you know, playoffs, then maybe you want to kind of factor that into how, ma- how many points you think they're going to get. But the one thing that is advantage Minnesota, their defense is, has been, maintains. It's not just one game adding a fluky amount to their stats. Number two, best red zone touchdown percentage. So that is something where red zone is the area where we could see, you know, historically Matt Ryan, that's where those picks come from. We've seen that happen in the past. I'm not saying it's happening right now. He's been playing really well. But that red zone defense is the difference maker in this game and the reason why I have Minnesota winning. I, uh, I have picked against the Vikings far too often. I'm waiting for this house of cards to come crashing down. And I now have to, as I pick the Rams to beat them, I pick the Lions to beat them. Now I need to come to the realization that, yes, Case Keenum is a much better than we thought quarterback. Play action. They he got fit, him going. Exactly. He fits into this system. He's got great receivers. Adam Thielen is underrated. Stephon Diggs, we know, is emerging as an elite receiver in this league. And I, I like that they shifted to Latavius Murray. And mm-hmm. instead of kind of getting yep, that the one-two punch is great. Yes, it, it's much better for him. Like you said, there's more play action. Get that guy that can blow through the tackles and try to churn some clock and then play action for the big play downfield to Thielen or Diggs. So I'm with you. I will go uh, I'll go Vikings plus the Falcons. Yeah, they've been good and they're right back in this. Their defense is what I Yeah, I, they, and we know that Seattle is flawed. They just they, we know that Dallas is flawed. They beat up on Tampa. So let's before I start getting into that Atlanta, eh, maybe maybe they just needed to gel a little bit, new coordinator, settle in and now this is a team that went to the Super Bowl and should have won it last year. I'm going to go ahead and take the Vikings with you. Which means the Falcons are going to win. Probably. All right, to the Eagles and the Seahawks, our Sunday night football prime time matchup. You mentioned the MVP Bowl. The Seahawks MVP win. Bowl. Maybe I they think get it the is playoffs. the MVP Russell, Bowl. Yeah, there you go. So uh, winner score. The winner is the Philadelphia Eagles by a score of 28 to 22. High scoring game, despite Philadelphia's defense being excellent. And of course, we always think of Legion of Boom, even if Legion of Boom is being excellent, even if pieces are missing. So a lot more offense than I would have closed my eyes and imagined to begin with. Um, I love looking at Carson Wentz's stats and, and Russell Wilson's stats. Both of them are, like, really fascinating. The cool part about Wentz is red zone touchdown percentage is first among quarterbacks who played at least seven games. So he has, like, an Aaron Rodgers-like red zone touchdown percentage, 77%. That's insane. Aaron Rodgers, in the beginning of the season, he only played six games. It's, like, 78%. It's one percentage point off of that. And the reason is balance. So Wentz can do it through the air. 28 touchdown passes leads the league. 12.5 yards per completion. That's number three. And then rushing first downs. Carson Wentz on with his own legs. He's got all those running backs, but with his own legs, has 21 rushing first downs. Also number three amongst quarterbacks. That's that's actually, I thought that was a little bit sneaky because I think about Ajay, Clement. I think about, you know, obviously LeGarrette Blunt, right? Like all the different rushers. Oh, he can do it too. So that's, that, 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 that is the uh, Andrew Luck comparison. Yep. You know, when, when you it saw is. Wentz emerge, you're like, you know, he might be a little more Andrew Luck than Big Ben um, just because he's a little bit more athletic. Yeah, he's big, sturdy, has a huge arm, can take a hit in the pocket. But when he takes off, he's got some get up and go. And, right. and that's more reminiscent, I think, of Andrew. Not that Ben couldn't I do it earlier. I think people just were talking about the small school comparison. I think they just couldn't get over the Miami of Ohio and North Coast State. Like, like, I, just, I think State, they got yeah. a little stuck on that one. But I agree with you with the Andrew Luck comparison. The, the thing in this one that's really interesting are quick strike points. So the Philadelphia Eagles have scored 59 points in, on plays of four or less in a drive. So 59 points leads the league. The league average is 28. This without Richard Sherman, 
without Cam Chancellor, without these people, that is the difference maker in this one. And that's why I have Philadelphia coming out on top. But I do want to point out in this one, LeGarrette Blunt gets the touchdown, okay. Alshon Jeffrey, and of course, Zach Ertz. And on the other side, Carson Wentz has almost 300 total yards, you know, 30 of them rushing. Um, both quarterbacks in this one actually project to be good picks. So Carson Wentz almost 300, and the same thing, Russell Wilson has over 300. They're my number two. Wilson's my number two, and uh, Carson Wentz is my number three quarterback ranking of the week. In a world, uh, in a fantasy world, it is very reminiscent world. of, in a fantasy world, <laughs> it is very reminiscent of the Patriots when it comes yep. to their backs. You just don't know. Nope. But you want to play each of them, LeGarrette, Blunt, or Jay Ajayi, or even you know, to some degree, Clement or Small, who knows what they're going to do, but one of them's going to get that touchdown. Yep. And like you said last week, and, and I, I guess Ajayi's speed is a bit of a concern. We've seen him get swallowed up from behind after breaking <laughs> big runs. Right. Uh, fumbled last week. That's how Alshon Jeffrey got the touchdown. But, yes, I think against the Seahawks, it's a run right at him, right. Garrett Blunt type of uh, defense. And I'm with you. The Eagles look like they are so far ahead of the rest of the NFC. Uh, that this is kind of their coronation in prime time. And just on the other side of the ball, Jimmy Graham and Doug Baldwin are the two touchdowns for me. Yeah, they can't, it, it, Russell and, and Jimmy have that play, that red zone play from the five. It's, it's not stoppable. Right. Like, it, it is, it is right. unstoppable. We see it every single week that there is going to be a Russell Wilson to a Jimmy Graham touchdown play because they cannot stop it. And um, good for you fantasy owners that, that put your faith <laughs> in Jimmy Graham uh, because it is now being rewarded. Uh, again, I'm with you. I'll take the Eagles. Let's shift to the Lions. Oh, here we are. The Lions and Ravens. Oh, Cynthia, from the center of your hand, when you hold it up to mimic the state of Michigan <laughs> and your Michigan's uh, finest. yes, your your dark past with the Lions and all the heartbreak they have served you. What do we do here? Really, Blue it's wins, been really heartbreaking. Score? I know. So I have Baltimore coming out on top, 22-21. This game's in Baltimore, so I think that's a closer score than you might have imagined, given that you know Ravens kind of the home field. Um, you'd think that that gives them more of an Builds advantage. Builds an advantage, sure. Right. So Matthew Stafford's had over 300, so 316.4 passing yards per game since week eight, which leads the league. But has Baltimore had a 300-yard passer yet? No. They, they have not. One. They've not allowed one. There's four teams that haven't, and they are one of them. All right, so, so. let me go through their schedule. Okay. Uh, Marcus Mariota, Brett Hundley, nope. Tom nope. Savage. Nope. You know where I'm going with this. Yep. Uh, obviously against Miami, they shut them out. Uh, was that the Matt Moore game or was that a Cutler game? Uh, Either way, whatever. Minnesota again, Chicago, Mitch Trubisky. You see what I'm getting at here? I do. Can be a misleading stat because they have not really played. They got Jacksonville, Bortles, Cleveland, Cincinnati. It hasn't really lined up for them to have that 300-yard passer save the one game against Pitt and uh, Big Ben. Yeah, but see, here's my problem with that. When I look at who the pass rushers are, and like you need a few seconds in order to be able to let a deep play kind of emerge because – you know, you, you want to be able to throw the ball long. And if you look at, you know, Suggs versus, I guess, Taylor Decker, the left tackle, that matchup is in favor of Suggs in my model. However, so this one could be like a, a, a lot of sacks in this game um, because on the other side, Ziggy Ansah, he outmatches Ronnie Stanley. So I'm, the, to me, this is like a, the, the sack pool, maybe. I, uh, I, I, I'm going to, this is where I'll, I'll break from you. I'm taking the uh. Lions just because. I watched what they did to that Minnesota defense. You know, they were able to put up points on Minnesota. I know they can't run the ball, and it's I not know. balanced. But, like, and that's, but see, that's here's, my, here's my problem. It's like Jimmy Smith or Ladarius Webb, right? So Marvin Jones probably and, gets the Jimmy Smith and, and Golden what, Tate. So look what he did to De look what DeAndre Hopkins did to Jimmy Smith. I mean, his yeah, pro like Bowl took a big hit. Not saying that Marvin Jones is DeAndre Hopkins, no, but he not. did have a great game against Xavier Rhodes, who had shut down most other number one 
receivers. And I don't put it so much on Jones. I think it's the connection. Right. I just have that much faith that in Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford is great. Those like plays. I, Matt Stafford, I you know I'm yeah. one of those people who thinks he's like you know like there's overrated and under underrated. I think like for his price and he does lead like, right now, he's rated, <laughs> whatever yeah. that means, right? But so for me, the the more likely touchdown is against Ladarius Webb and Golden Tate. That I mean, look, this is just from the types of routes run and success against these types of routes. And Marvin Jones has more total yards in my projection, but Golden Tate has the higher touchdown, you know, uh, objective in this one. And then Mike Wallace on the other side, he gets Darius Slay and big play Slay has been very good this this season. He's been an excellent. Like the slot coverage is great. Like. So to me, Mike Wallace, probably not the same fantasy game. And then Alex Collins, that one is where the touchdown comes in. And the Woodhead, you know, that's the problem is the Alex Collins and the Danny Woodhead kind of Collins has potential been great. Upside. Talk about a fine. I mean, yeah. uh, being able to, and not to mention, of course, from what team? Seattle, who desperately needs a runner and the ends up getting signed off their practice squad. Uh, and he has been a, just a godsend for the Ravens. Yep. And just a note here, if you have Amir Abdullah in your fantasy, you might want to be careful because his neck, they still have, he's still been on the injury report with a neck injury. So that's kind of like a real injury. Let's not like. Oh, they're going to have to throw it around. No yeah. doubt. The Lions are going to have to throw it around. Right. All right. So we uh, we break there. I take the Lions. You take the Ravens. I have a feeling we'll be uh, back in cahoots on the Patriots' bills. Winner score. I have New England coming out on top 29-20. Yeah. I think this one, the Tom Brady to Cooks has an over 125 passer rating over the past two games. That's Took him a minute. Took him a minute to get settled in, but now, man, are they. And this is what we said at the start of the season, right? You know, Tom Brady has not had a receiver with this type of speed or this type of skill since Randy Moss, and now you're starting to see what he's able to do with someone this talented. So he does match up against EJ Gaines from a perspective, like which side of the field EJ Gaines defends. However, um, I have him catching five of six targets for 88 yards and a touchdown, so advantage Cooks in this one if you're looking for fantasy points. On the other side, LaShawn McCoy, shady. He has the fifth most 12-plus rushes in the league, and he gets Kyle Van Noy on defense. So that's one area where if you have LaShawn McCoy fully playable, I think this is going to be a good matchup for LaShawn McCoy. He does have 31% of the team's scrimmage yards, so I wouldn't think you'd be sitting him necessarily. But, you know, you might think, oh, defense on the Patriots is getting better. But for me, the matchup, LaShawn McCoy fully playable here. So Yeah, the, the interesting thing just from the matchup standpoint is, is Burkhead still going to kind of be – is it now Burkhead and Deion Lewis? Do you we know, ever know? Deion Lewis is super efficient. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, James White has kind of been squeezed out a little bit here. You know, Gillisley so is James now White. inactive. Right. It's don't, just, play, don't play James it White. It looks like that's kind of their one-two. And man, does it look like a potent one-two in the running game. Um, and when you look at, you know, their their past couple losses to what I think you, you can say based on what we've now seen from the Chargers the last few games, good offenses, balanced offenses. The Bills have not been able to keep up. Nope. And when you're talking about arguably the best offense uh, If going you need right a flyer, now. though, you could look. I mean, Calvin Benjamin is hurt, probably not going to play. Like, yeah. stay away from him. But if you're looking for a flyer in terms of passing, because I do have the Bills playing from behind in the second half. So maybe the Charles Clay, if you need a tight end and you're looking for one there, that connection Match has up. been very fruitful for you. For for you. Not for you, but for any fantasy I player that has. I don't have Charles Clay. I don't have Charles. Oh, I, I think I do in I one league. Do. Anyways. But, um, you know, Charles Clay could be one where you're targeting that game script of passing in the in the second half. Okay, I'm with you on the Pats. Let's uh, get our fifth and final one here in the five cast, Steelers-Bengals. Oh, another fan base that is mad at me is the Bengals about playoff odds. We'll get really? to that in a second. So they think they should be in it. So anyways, um, oh, Pittsburgh a, coming out on top. a tough schedule if I, I remember know. right. I mean, their schedule is nasty. Right. So I have the, <laughs> the Steelers coming out on top 25 
20. And we did see those Pittsburgh corners looking a little vulnerable this last game against the Green Bay Packers. However, in this one, it's it's the, the, it's not going to be as big of a, a, a difference because if you look at the O-line for what's going to happen with the Steelers up front and the O-line for the Bengals, it just seems to me like I don't, I don't see a way where Andy Dalton, who has been better under pressure than I thought, I really did some digging to see what's going on. I don't think he's going to be able to have time to get it to A.J. Green kind of as much as Bengals fans might like to see. Uh, just quickly to get the yep. Bengals fans uh, off your back. Ugh. Steelers. Yep. Vikings. Yep. At Minnesota, by the way. I'm telling you. Lions. Yep. At Baltimore. Yep. You, you, you're, you're being shortchanged. They get mad. They yeah, got real. They that's... told me I'm being. They told me I'm being unfair about the chances for the Bengals yeah. to make the playoffs. Yeah, they, they're, they're in the eighth spot right now. They have to jump three teams to get into the playoffs with the Steelers, the Vikings, the Lions. And the Ravens I, left I, on their schedule. I don't know what yeah, I don't know what they think. Anyways, some two bright spots if you please, are a Bengals please. fan. Joe Mixon. He does get Ryan Shazier. Ryan Shazier has been very good. Ooh, However, he is so damn fast. He's really fast, but sometimes that fastness—that's a word—over aggressive can can bite him because he'll miss a tackle. So Joe Mixon, fully playable in fantasy. You saw him get the most volume and touches. Makes sense. He's a Stealer. That was always the the concern with Polamalu, right? Yep. For all those big splash plays, sometimes over pursue. Seemed to work out for him, though. Likely first ballot Hall of Famer. Right. Seem, seems like it's going to be a good yeah, one. Be all and, right for Shazier. And I do think Geno Atkins still has, like, a chance. Like, look, this, the O-line for the Steelers is number three in minimizing pressures over the whole season. But Geno Atkins has been excellent, too. So I'm, I'm giving some love where love is due. But I still have Antonio Brown. I don't think there's any corner that can match up with him, even if you're the very best Clearly. corner. Right? So, and and I don't think they have the best corners on for the Bengals. So, Antonio Brown, fully playable. Lev Bell, he probably gets a little bit of perfect, but I don't think Bell Bell doesn't seem to get rattled by perfect shenanigans. So Le'Veon Bell's ability to make other people miss tackles is incredible. Advantage Steelers all around. You're um you're gonna love this because I know when it comes to a causation correlation conversation, pardon the alliteration there. I like that. And the rhyming. Um, <laughs> but it is so hard, and it pains me to say it. It is so hard to ignore the home road splits for Ben Roethlisberger. It is just, it's nuts. Like, it is nuts that he can go to a place like Indianapolis and play as bad as he did. I mean, it just, every single year you look at the home road splits, and there is nothing even close when it comes to elite quarterbacks and how much better they are at home than away from home. And I don't know why it happens, but it does. So there's your little nugget for the Bengals. I would like to ask him about his prep. Because I'm curious. I'm very curious about. It makes no sense. Right. It's like it's an interesting. I'm because I do. I see what you're saying. Um, but the one thing that I, you know what I you know another adage that I hate is defense travels. That's I yeah. hate that. But Steelers defense they have the top pressure rate. One of the top three pressure rates. They convert their pressures to sacks at a top five rate, and they've allowed no touchdowns under pressure. So that to me is a much bigger factor than Ben Rathis, Ben Roethlisberger's or Rathisberger's if you want to mispronounce it. Um, ben Roethlisberger's home and road splits. Yeah, I'm just going through defense travels. His home and roads, and it's it's hilarious. All of his home games this year, he has got saved the Jacksonville game, which was the outlier there. Right. His quarterback rating is over 100, and he has. Uh, let's see, does he have any? No, he has zero. He likes to mess with me. Zero quarterback ratings over 100 on the road. He likes to mess it's with me. Crazy. You know what? He he's just he's messing with me. Uh, he's to I take the Steelers me. as well, and that wraps up our Freeland Fivecast.
So we'll go quickly through the rest of this week's matchups because we do have some that are lopsided. If I feel like there is something worth me pointing out, I will, uh, I guess, engage. But otherwise, Cynthia, I send you off to the races. Nine games. Let's do it in nine minutes or less. We, we can start do it. with the Chiefs and the Jets in New York. I have the Chiefs coming out on top, 23-21 in a closer game than you might imagine. For a fantasy note here, Tyree Kill and Robbie Anderson have similar projections, but Anderson has the better touchdown odds. I'm taking the Jets. Do it. I am taking the Jets. Uh, I think there is just too much scuttlebutt in Kansas City. This is hanging the, this over is their Chargers. head. Uh, listen, I'm on to you. You're a Chargers. You're like uh, this, just this, trolling this them. This most definitely could be construed as me being a Chargers hawk. Yeah. But yep. Um, as someone who has a couple players on the Jets in my fantasy squads and my league of record, I have been watching a lot of Jets football this year. Specifically, I picked up Robbie Anderson like four weeks ago. That has been the reason why I'm making a late surge Robbie. in my uh, Orange County Punk Rock League. Oh, they are much better than their record suggests. 100%. That Jets team is pretty darn good. Josh McCown has been freaking great, really, in a lot of these games. And I just, the whole Pat Mahomes thing and all that, the, what is wrong with Kareem Hunt? Why can't he run the ball? Jamal They're, Adams is what's wrong with Kareem Hunt in this game. Well, that's game. what I'm saying. So now you have a matchup where all of the conversation is, we've got to go back to what we were doing early in the season and push the ball downfield. That's a bad idea with a guy that's roaming the middle of that field like Jamal Adams, not to mention providing the run support he can provide. I mean, he is as good as advertised and then some. And it just seems like the wrong game to try to get back to that, which was working earlier. And I just envision a turnover or two, and then things really get nuts in Kansas City. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Jamal Adams or Marshawn Lattimore? Tough, because Marshawn Lattimore missed the last game. He's not 100%, but if he stays healthy, I think you give it to Lattimore because of the record. Um, I'd say probably Jamal Adams has been the better player, but Lattimore has been so good and has really been the big reason why that, that Saints defense has has shifted to the positive. And you saw what happened last week. I mean, when he wasn't in, you got Cooper Cup and Josh Reynolds going off for the Rams at the receiver position. But uh, yeah, they're just you can you can feel it when there's a stink on something and the questions they have to answer, the aggressiveness with which a fan base and a media is starting to ask them. Uh, it just you don't it, even care about the Darrell Rivas sighting. Yes, that's the other thing. When you sign Darrell Revis, when that's where you're at in your secondary, the Darrell Revis is now an option. You don't like the revenge narrative? Oh, he's going back to the Jets. He's going to go in New York. He's going to just have 8,000 tackles. Is he going to run or is he bringing a rascal to scoot around <laughs> on the field? How, how is he going to get around? Because we saw what that looked like last year, having Darrell Revis out there. They moved you don't him think to he's safety. got one good it game in It got so him? bad that they moved him to safety. You don't think he's got one good, like, Fresh I want to light up good. these green, gangrene hey. monsters? Good luck keeping up with, uh, <laughs> I guess, you're going to take Robbie Anderson or Jermaine. I mean, that's what we're talking about at this point. I did, yeah, this, this, Austin look, Severian it won't surprise Jenkins. me. I want to see you matched up with Austin Severian yeah, Jenkins. I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout. I just, I feel like the Jets are a lot better than their four and seven records suggest they are. They've been in a I lot agree. of these games and I let agree. them slip away late. Uh, that was way too long. I will now relax. No, we're and good. I'll let you do I like your that thing. one, though. Broncos, Dolphins. This one isn't as exciting. I have Broncos coming out on top 21-20. The Dolphins defense has given up 75% of a touchdown in 75% of opposing teams' red zone trips. That's all you need to know. Kay. No Damian Williams, no Keep to Lee playing, so maybe a little bit better for By the way, I would just also weigh in Trevor Simeon back, Yeah, and he should have never been pulled out. But you know, that, that, that is in. clear. It is clear that he should have never been removed from that position in favor of Brock Osweiler. Or Paxton Lynch. Yep. Uh, and that, I think, will go a long way. You'll see a much more efficient, uh, efficiently operated offense. Because he was pretty good at throwing that thing around. Uh, their offensive line is a mess. 
Um, but I think he's better at navigating that Do you think he's mess. better than Paxton Lynch? That's the, you're going out See hot I mean? take. Like, hot exactly. take alert. <laughs> Look out. Post that one. Oh, out. wait. Is he better than Brock Osweiler? Alert the AP. Where's the social team? We need to get this on right. some sort Put of thing now. Um, right. All right. 49ers Bears. Winner Ch- score. Chicago coming out on top 22-18. Yes, we're having a Jimmy Garoppolo sighting. Excited about that. Me too. I'm right. really excited about that. I'm really excited to chart. Do you know who has taken the most passing attempts in the National Football League? I don't Francisco. know. Do you know who has made the fewest pa- touching pass down? Oh, wow. This that's one I know easily. Touching pass yes, downs. The Bears receivers? are averaging yeah. about 11 attempts per game. Well, so the, it's who's thrown the fewest pa- uh, touchdown passes was also the 49ers. Hilarious. Oh, and then the Bears just don't throw. They so, don't throw at all. So it's like the team that throws a lot but doesn't is very inefficient with it against the team that doesn't throw at all. And let's just go Jordan Howard. Hopefully. Hey, here's an idea, game. Chicago Bears coaching staff. There's this guy named Tariq Cohen. When, when you give him the ball, he can make Heard magical things happen. Heard of him. And you're giving him one to two touches per game because your offense is so dynamic. Oh, it's not like you didn't see it earlier in the year. And it's not like the last time you had a chance at winning a game, he wasn't one of the reasons why. Yet he disappeared again this past week. All right, Buccaneers, Packers, winner score. I have the Packers coming out on top 23-21, even though Jameis Winston will be back. And I think you should play everyone from Mike Evans to Cam Brate to Deshaun Jackson in fantasy. I still have the Packers coming out on top because Brett Hundley can make first downs with his legs. And the Tampa Bay defense is, apart from Gerald McCoy, they have they have a couple of good players. They have a good linebacker. But I think advantage, even though we've seen Green Bay be kind of crazy, we saw them be pretty good, too. And Brett yeah. Hundley can run. I mean, Hunt, they, they got the ball out of Hundley's hands Quick. That's right. They, they found a hole in that Pittsburgh defense. They exploited it. Uh, selfishly, I am going to inject myself here and say Green Bay wins because I so desperately want Aaron Rodgers to come back and wreck the NFC North again and just continue. <laughs> you were wreck. a Lions fan earlier in this podcast, uh, and now you're anti-Lions fan. How do you Got not want to see that? Got Isn't it. it? I mean, it is so great to know that he is just lingering for, and remember, I was born and raised in Chicago, so there is a little bit of that left. Actually, there is none of that left in me. Their, their media department is so good, and they treat people so well that I really do appreciate the Packers. But I just want to see it. It's right. so entertaining to know that that is hanging out there for the NFC North. Seriously. Fans. Are they really going to stay in it long enough to get Rodgers to come back and win games by four touchdowns, going to the playoffs, and not sub- upset someone in the first round? Lord. Yes, that's what I want to see. All right, Texans-Titans. Tennessee comes out on top 25-20, but play DeAndre Hopkins if you have him in fantasy. Okay. I think the Titans are terrible. I think they have looked terrible as of late. But you think they're terribleer than the Texans? I, I mean, I just I feel like one of those two teams, either the Jags or the Titans, that that's got to come crumbling down. It, it is it How's is a masquerade. Well, I have both of them winning because the Colts and the Jags, are the next team you're going to ask me well, about, and I have Jacksonville that I, coming out twenty six sixteen. Most definitely there. <laughs> I mean, think about it. The Colts were up in that game until what the final five minutes, right. and then they were met. They were they were reminded they were the Colts, and things just started falling apart for them. And it was a late surge by the uh, the Titans to get that victory. So Jags on top of the Colts. That means that stays static in the um, in the AFC South, and we'll keep looking at that. January or December thirty first, New Year's Eve showdown between those two to decide who wins the division. Browns Chargers. I mean, this one's easy for me. Chargers come out on top, twenty nine seventeen. But I have one interesting question that I wanted to ask you about. No no first drive points the whole season. Missed the field goal from 31 Weird. yards. Isn't that crazy? And and my statistician handed me a note right before Nick Novak lined up for that field goal that he wanted me to read that said this will be first. the first. And I was like, just hold on to that hold note. Hold on to that okay. note. And sure right. enough, Nick right. Novak hurt himself. And, yes, zero point. Not just no touchdowns, no points. Um, and then it's, it's going to be it, – first down's going to be interesting this game because, actually, the Chargers have the fewest four-plus first down 
um, like four four plus yards earned on first down, and Cleveland has the third fewest. So we're gonna see who's gonna be it's a battle of who can't do who anything can't on first do down. first down. But it's I think the Chargers come yeah. out big on top. For people that say trap game, I just want to point this out because it was a funny comment that uh, Coach Anthony Lynn, I was with the team on Wednesday, uh, said uh, he was asked if it was a trap game, and he said we're five and six. Teams that are five and six don't have trap games. That's not how it That's works. Really funny. It's like if we were nine and one. Yeah, come at me and ask if it's a trap game. But at five and six, no, you don't overlook anyone because you realize you need to win each and every game if you're going to have 100%. a shot at making the playoffs. Uh, Rams cards. Rams cards. Rams big. Twenty-eight, twenty-one. No faith in Blaine Gabbard, huh? No faith in Adrian Peterson. I mean, it's just that's no. the Rams defense statistically. Uh, that's what I'm talking is, about. Yes, yeah, statistically, it says that they're not good against the run, that they give up a lot of yards and points. They're going to stop Adrian Peterson. That was earlier in the season. Right. Uh, if right. you look like you, your model shows last four games, that's why you have this so lopsided by a something, full seven points. Something fun. Rams the second most points on first possession. There you go. Just something to know. All right. Finally, Giants Raiders. Okay. Oakland's coming out 24 14. Yeah. Out on top. They're not just coming out, they're coming out on top. Yes. Yeah. Geno Smith. I mean, do we? what do we need to say here? Nothing. It's all right. been said. It's all been said. It's all been said. All right, let's shift to the confidence index of three predictions you made that you feel most confident in. Tons of points for both L.A. teams. So the Rams and the Chargers, both big wins and big, like, offensive games in both of these. And then I really like Minnesota to beat Atlanta in a close one in I'm with Atlanta. you on that. High I'm with you on that. The Case Keenum, uh, just let the guy have the job, huh? He's doing a great job. Or I think it's mental now. He's like, if I just say every time, like that, uh, th- like if I keep him, I keep him like kind of that carrot out there, right? Like it really isn't a carrot; it's more of a threat, right? Like I, if he just says like, I don't know if he's still my starter. Keep going. Maybe they have, maybe it's like some sort of superstitious thing each time, right? Like if I say every week on Tuesday, like we're just gonna start you this week, but next week is still up for grabs. Yes. Maybe it's like a maybe a superstition. No, I'm saying as our producer just said, it's a carrot on a stick, but it's not really because it's not a reward. You know, there's no reward there. It's a it's a it's negative. A, it's, it's like, negative, hey, you might not right? be. So it, it is it is a negative as opposed to a reward that he is chasing. Um, just congratulate your front office. Hey, there were a ton of backup quarterbacks signed this offseason. You made the best signing, you know, for $10 million in Jay Cutler. And $2 not million. Good. $16 million, Mike Glennon, not good. $2 million, Case Keenum. Mike Glennon's multiple years, yeah, too. Yeah, well, exactly. Well right. done. Jackpot. You win. Mm-hmm. Um, just embrace it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're leading the division. He looks spin good. Spin zone. It's a good fit. I have a spin zone here. Mike Glennon, Aaron Rodgers, same agent. Maybe it's something like, you know, Ooh, there's something interesting there. Diabolical. Or maybe it was just that or the Bears gave agent. him $32 million. And you sign on the di- dotted <laughs> line there, right? Won. Yeah. He, he crawled to Chicago over broken. <laughs> glass while dragging his tongue to sign that contract (laughs) all right is that it is that all the confidence index all right yep we thank you our uh, listeners for sharing our podcast on twitter on facebook with all your friends it's new it's our first season we want to keep it growing we cannot thank you enough we love hearing from you in our twitter timelines or through social media if you have not yet make it easy on yourself by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever podcast uh, station you use to get your content. Help us continue to grow, if you don't mind, by leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes. And that brings us to our review of the week. This is a five-star from Dr. I'm going to say Dr. Urko, yep. or it could be Drerko, or it could be Dre. 
Okay. Or co. With a fresh approach to football and two intelligent and awesome hosts. Okay, that's already too positive. Game theory and money has turned into a weekly listen for me. Freeland, a delight when she first came on DDFP a few months ago, and it was awesome to hear her rather brilliant insights. Matt Money Smith, a 21st century... Oh, I mean, boy. I, listen, Matt Money Smith, a 21st century renaissance mm. man, if there is one. And let me tell you, there is one. Is one of the oh, best radio slash podcast personalities out there with a fresh approach to football and two intelligent, awesome hosts. Oh, that's very nice. Thank you. It's Game nice. 30 and Money has turned into a weekly listen for me. If we that's, really appreciate uh, it. If that's and too, let me tell too you, positive for you, come listen, on. Write Matt Money Smith is not just one of the best. I'm going to go out and Stop say it. It. he is the best. And he's the best, best Chargers voice, best of any football or basketball. No, it's true. It's really uncomfortable. Oh, Thank you it. for listening, everybody. We'll be back again next week with another installment of the Game Theory in My Podcast.